0: If you want more power, better vision, and a bulletproof mindset, then I would like to welcome you to CG+, Complete Games Online Player Development Center.
1: Now, baseball and softball players of all ages and skill levels can access a multimedia experience providing education and instruction on your personal mobile platform. Rob Cruz has put together an online video portal, a remote hitting program, as well as a series of online hitting courses boasting a curriculum that features pitch recognition strategies, power, video analysis, mental skills, and then some. For more info, log on to www.cg.plus. That's www.cg.plus to
0: find out how you can complete your game today.
1: Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz. An audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations, and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. So I kind of wanted to, like, I said, look, I got to chat. We got to chat and just kind of catch up on some stuff and, um, and get and get some, some of our some thoughts out there for people to kind of digest and... And maybe get people's minds and thoughts off of everything that's going on and have them think about some other things that are a little more positive, a little more uh, refreshing for them.
0: Oh, and, and to sort of maybe reframe what's going on a little bit, too, in the sense that, you know, you can use a out Because I know for a lot of people, that was like a huge blow that the varsity season's canceled. You know what I mean? In the school, school ball seasons are canceled. That's, just, that's hard for a lot of people to process, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be good to refocus elsewhere. This point <laughs> so
1: mm-hmm. so
0: where we can where we can see the positives.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I got I got my thoughts about that. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> because I, I, you know, I, and, and I probably won't even say it on the podcast, but I'll tell you, like I'm really, I didn't see enough people that were grateful. Like if I'm a senior. And that happened to me in my senior year. I get where you are, but where's the gratitude for the three years that you did play? Right. Yeah.
0: That's a really was, excellent there, there,
1: point. There, there wasn't enough, I didn't, I didn't see enough gratitude. And then the other part of it is, and this is just how selfish people are, why is your senior year more important than that junior's junior year? She missed her junior year. So why is that more why Why is your senior year more important? She's still missing a year. She, the, that freshman still missed a year. That sophomore still missed a year. Why is your senior year so much more important? Oh, the seniors, oh, the seniors. Okay, what about the seniors and the sophomore? Did they not miss a year? So why is your year more important than that person's year? Like, I just felt like it was just so typical of, like, people to be so focused on themselves.
0: I think the thing and, and, is that, that people feel, like, uh, you know, entitled... That's exactly like, what I,
1: how I feel about it. Like, I, I just I had a problem with it. I had a real problem with it. Because I'm like, man, thank God I played three years. Like, right. I'm so appreciative of that. Like, I, have, I would have so much gratitude. You know, that's just me. But I mean, well, you I also
0: have it. to think about how the people around them are framing that, too. That's exactly. Like, as a child, you're going to react based on how, you know, the people sure. around you mean? react. Right. Right. You know, like uh, because uh, and I see the same even in my son who's almost two, he'll be two on Tuesday, you know. If mm-hmm. something happens and we overreact or you're having a bad mood, like he will mirror that, you know what I mean? But if he's um but if you play everything down or you laugh everything up, like that's just that's gonna be his mindset too, or explain it clearly. You know but with with young adults that they're here, their parents are mourning this for them and they're you know what I mean they're not seeing any positive they're seeing right. only the negative
1: so. so I I think um when I look at how we respond to adversity as as people specifically and we're talking athletes now, but the athletes are still people and that's right <laughs> you're, you're playing a sport at whatever level you're playing it at, whether you're a a a twelve years old or you're twenty two years old and you're playing a sport, you know, you 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 go through things in your personal life. You know, parents, divorce, a death of the family, my cat died, you know, you go through things and, and those things affect you in ways in where it affects your emotions. But it you know, and but then you still have to you know you still have to you still have to live and go on, you know. And most of us are not equipped mentally and emotionally to be able to deal with the smallest of adversities. I broke up with my boyfriend. I, I, I can't hit. But I like to ask, like,
0: why is that, though? Why yeah, isn't b- that?
1: We're not? B- because for some people, that, that that would be something that would be a motivating force.
0: That's exactly right. That's actually one of the things that they found about, like, elite level it's, athletes.
1: There's a, there's a noise coming in. Is that is that on my end or your end? Hmm. let me see, let me move. Do you hear it? Do you hear it still now? No. Okay, so. <laughs> All right, so there we go. All right, so yeah, I, I'm wondering, um, so it, I guess that brings me to another point. Do, 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 can we train our athletes to be more resilient to, enough to be able to face and overcome their adversities? And not let it affect how they play. And if it does affect how they play, it affects it in a more of a positive way.
0: Well, right. If so, to, if in order so, to ho- reframe that adversity, maybe like and if so, and to if so, how it. do you do it?
1: Because it's funny. I, I had a uh, conversation with a uh, Division One pitching coach a long time ago, who happened to and she also pitched at a really high level, and she couldn't understand one of her athletes. And I was, and I was, and this is, she, was she was younger in her career at the time, so she didn't really. She thought that everybody should be able to do what she can do. <laughs> so if, like, like Wouldn't if that be nice? Through, right. If I could run through walls, why can't you run through walls? If I could leap over buildings in a single bound, why can't you do it? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's kind of how, how her career was. So when she gets these elite athletes into her program, she's like, "Dude, let's go!" Like, so for example, there was one pitcher that she had coached who would give up a home run, put her head down, and then walks in, and then she'd walk the next two batters. Which is not say. uncommon, I would
0: say. That, that's, that's not, not uncommon.
1: uncommon, but at that level, if you give up a home run, you got to strike out the next two batters. Like, you have to strike out the next two batters because of the home run. You can't right. write the next two batters because of the home run. Because so then you're not, you... mentally, you're not mentally and emotionally equipped for that level, then. You get that's it. That's right. Like, so, so and, and, and she didn't understand it, and I'm like, well, everybody's not you <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess, how do we... You know, and and I think it comes comes down to how we practice with our kids, like the kind of things that we put them through in practice. And I feel like if the practice doesn't challenge you emotionally, and if there's not enough built-in opportunities for kids to fail in practice, they are not ready to play at an elite level of the game in the sport. What do you think about that? Well, to fail in a meaningful
0: way because people fail in practice all the time. But if you fail with when there's no pressure on you,
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and there's no consequence. <laughs> so so, but, so, so, you, so you, you create consequences and you create failure in, in, in your practice?
0: Yeah, in the online program, um, yes. I have a day
1: where I actually just tell them, this is your day to
0: pitch with pressure on. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, you have to step up. And essentially, if, you know, you miss your spots this way, um, then... X, Y, and Z, or, you know, a lot of people do, um, something where if, um, you know, you miss your spots and like you do, you know, a scenario where there's a particular count or whatever, then the rest of your team has to run. Obviously that's not going to be happening right now, but, (laughs) you know, but basically like something where there is a consequence for, you know, error because there's, there's always error in practice, but, you know, A lot of the time, it doesn't have that weighty feel to it that it has in the game.
1: Right, that's true. Because, you know, for me, like, I always try to end off my hitting sessions with a little bit of a game. And the crazy thing to me is that I'll have a kid for the entire hour that we're there. This kid is hitting line drives all over the place. She's unconscious. She's raking. She's dropping bombs. I'm obviously it's front toss but still she's performing really well and and i'm challenging her i'm throwing her outside pitch she's crushing inside pitch she's crushing i throw her a low pitch for a ball she takes the pitch she's in her zone and then all of a sudden at the end of the class i'm like okay we're gonna have a little game you gotta hit you gotta hit you know six straight rising line drives if you don't so if you miss one you're out and they either competing against each other or they're competing against themselves. Whatever, the, whatever their perception of what they're doing is, that's what it is. And then all of a sudden, they can't hit. A, they cannot hit a ball hard. I put a little bit of pressure on them, and now it's like, why are you hitting ground balls so short? Why, why are you popping up? What, what, what just happened? I didn't change how I'm pitching to you. I had nothing changed. What just happened? So, and, and I think that that's a microcosm or a small sample of what pressure does to certain individuals. So
0: now the challenge has to be right that we have mm-hmm. all this time where we have zero pressure.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So once we are
0: out there but, but, again,
1: but I, think, I, I think dealing with pressure is something that's more like if I'm a kid, right? Like I'm like I'm ten years old and I'm, I'm in my childhood and my circumstances are such where I am I'm challenged in my life. I'm challenged in my nine year old, as nine year old, as eight year old, as seven year old. With different things, whether it's playing sports or whether it's I got big, bigger, older brothers, I, and, and you know, I have, I have. Older well, you've just had a hard s- life in general. You can have a hard it's life, like- but you could have, you could be like the younger sibling, and your sister always beating you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So like, so like when you and then when you play with kids your own age, you just dominate because you're used to your sister or your older brother just dominating and, and, and like throwing the ball too hard at you and it, you, you, you know you just become you become more more competitive in my experience the younger siblings are always better than the older siblings i would say that's true about nine out of ten times i've had <laughs> one or two, one or two cases where it's, yeah, the, opposite, yeah, I, yeah, it's the opposite yeah so I, I, I find that and i think it's largely because of that it's because of the adversity of you know i gotta catch this girl i gotta hit against her or if i have an older brother i gotta pitch against him i gotta throw against him. of course i'm gonna be good I gotta, you know, they're always trying to fight me or beat me up. I gotta fight back. So that I think that kind of creates like an innate just competitiveness in, in, in a person. It'd be interesting to kind of ask some of the elite athletes, what were some of the defining moments? Because some of these players that when you look at them and you see how they have the ability, because they were talking about the whole Michael Jordan thing, and how, um, how hard he had it, which is the reason why he could be who he was on the court so consistently. Um... And how that how that might have played a played a role in his elite consistency and in, in his dominance. Because th- there has not been another 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 Michael Jordan in the game of basketball since then. We're talking thirty years ago. There has not been another Michael Jordan.
0: Crazy.
1: And people I are saying that a- there probably won't be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> i mean it's a lot about knowing how to fail and how to use that failure and
1: reframe that failure instead of you know, but but I, sulking I, I, in that failure. I guess, I, I guess <laughs> my, my I guess the question that I'm trying to get from you is if we if we're able to train it or if we're able to help players to improve in the area of failure recovery. Um mm-hmm. what does that look like on, on your side on the pitching side? And what how do you shape your sessions? Oh you know, obviously obviously you obviously you want to be positive but obviously you also want to be honest and obviously you want to have you want to be able to challenge your athlete at the same time and being able to be all three is not easy for every coach because you have to have a certain level of respect from the athlete you have to have a really good way of separating yeah this is tough love and but the athlete has to know it's tough love and i'm putting you in a position because failure is for me failure is required in a session. oh definitely yeah you because have to- you have to learn from how to you have to learn from that because you're going to fail so much in a game I'm, I'm, I'm not doing you a justice if like everything is like roses and ice cream. Oh my god, you hit your spot. Yay, here's a, here's a star, put it on your forehead. Do they still do that in school now where they put <laughs> stars on know. your forehead? You, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, like, it can't be, we, 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 we I mean, I think um, we want to have, we want to reinforce um, the good, but we also want to outline and, and, and observe and we want to notice what the bad was too. Or what the, what's the or what's not going to work, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So on the hitting side for me, what I do is um, I, I try to create, I try to create like more more task complexity in in the in the session. So it's like, yeah, this is easy on the tee. This is easy in front toss. But why did you swing at that ball that was high? I know you ripped it. I know you crushed it. But that high pitch at 62, you're not going to be able to hit it hard. So I have to I have to let you know that you shouldn't have swung at it. Now, the key is, are you going to make an excuse about why you swung at it? Or are you going to be like, yeah, I know I shouldn't have swung at it? That. And that's going to be the key. Then, now we're learning. Otherwise, if I'm just throwing balls right down the pipe in front toss, and these kids are hitting bombs in front toss, I'm not really getting them ready for the... Um, for the game, and then it, it becomes hitting practice, it becomes swing practice and not hitting practice, which is which is a big difference.
0: It's, you know what I find is really tough, it, what I think is one of the more challenging aspects as a coach and a player, is to just get like sort of, it's, it's sort of like that three bears scenario, is to get just the right level of mental engagement where you're not overthinking, but you're also not um, avoiding things like strategizing and things like that. And I do think that that's like a really challenging sweet spot to find, you know, for most athletes that were saying, um, okay, turn your brain off or maybe you're not thinking enough or maybe you're not thinking about the right things. And that's, you know, that's sort of challenging to find that that sweet spot.
1: Yeah, so you know what, I think, I don't think there's just one answer to that question. I think I think it depends about, on the
0: player too. It, it, de- you know? it
1: definitely depends on the player. So, but generally speaking, um I think that if you create an environment where we are literally mentally and emotionally fatiguing our athletes and it's it's a workout, it's a mental workout, they create more mental and emotional resilience to be able to be mentally and emotionally resilient in an actual seven inning game.
0: <clears> I wonder <clears throat> if that's almost like a physical
1: endurance though. That's exactly what you I was, know getting, what I ready mean? I was ah. getting ready I was getting ready to go. I was getting ready to say the same thing. It's just right. like, if you add more, if, I'm, if I have to lift more weight in practice, and in the game, I'm gonna have to lift less weight me lifting more weight in practice, prepared me to lift less weight in the game. Right, that's so exactly I, 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 So I think, and cause, cause I think of the big part of the problem specifically with pitching, one of the biggest problems with pitching, and I'd love to hear your insight on this one. If I'm a, and, and I'm gonna give you a scenario. If I'm a world series caliber college program, world series level, like. If, I, if I'm in that 12-team World Series pool, that's another that's a, that's another podcast. <laughs> but I, I have a list of 12 teams that, are, like every year, eight out of these 12 are going to be in the World Series, hands down. But I, that's another podcast. So if, if, <laughs> if I'm one of the, if i <laughs> if I'm one of those 12 teams and I'm recruiting a pitcher, right? Follow me. Mm-hmm. I have to recruit the pitchers that have the mental, emotional, and physical resilience to be able to pitch in a tournament-style championship. Right. Here's an example. Most of the athletes that are coming out of a travel ball culture, because of the hour and 10 drop dead Right, but it, wasn't always, it, it wasn't, wasn't always
0: that way. It wasn't always that
1: way, but it, but it's that way now. They're coming out of a situation where they pitch three innings, maybe four, and that's it. And if you got four or five pitchers on your roster, or four pitchers on your roster, you might pitch two if you're lucky. But they never get to pitch six. They never get to pitch seven. But I remember once upon a time where people pitched seven and then they pitched seven more. Now we're going down another another road with, with fatigue and arm fatigue and oh, my god, right. Yes, right, yes, we're yes, yes, yes. We're going down another road. We're going down <laughs> another road. But what I'm saying is, but then they, they get to college and I got to win the conference tournament. Keyword tournament. There's no drop dead in college. What do you mean you're out of gas in the fourth inning? What do you mean you're losing focus in the fifth inning? You can't focus for seven innings. You can only focus in small spurts.
0: Well, I mean, how much of that is a reflection of what's going on in society in general right now? Is that attention spans are shorter? Social media,
1: short attention spans, small video clips. Yeah, absolutely. So it all all contributes. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. And then, so if I'm going to go to the World Series, I have to win the conference tournament. I have to win the regional tournament. I have to win a super regional tournament and then the World Series is the ultimate tournament I got to win four tournaments unless I get an at-large bid that's something else if I, if I get an at-large bid I got to win three tournaments and most pitchers are not culturally conditioned from their sport at the travel level which feeds college to be able to compete in a tournament style fashion because they can't go five innings if they can go five innings physically they're not able to go five innings mentally and emotionally and that's one of the problems with recruiting pitchers because I see what you can do in a small sample size of two or three innings, or maybe even four. But when you're on your 13th, 14th inning of the day, I need to know what you can do. And when, so yeah. when you're recruiting a pitcher, I thought, you know those those teams are getting those pitchers from teams that are competing more than they're showcasing. Because showcase culture is drop dead an hour and ten competition. You play seven innings. What, what do you think about that?
0: You know, super funny. My dad always used to say, like, pitching is the most bipolar position
1: out there. <laughs> um, oh boy, I got I got some thoughts on that one.
0: <laughs> but it's so true. It's like you have these dizzying highs or these dizzying lows, and. Um, you have to know how to sort of take both with strides and uh, how to calibrate both of those. You know what I mean? Like like when you're riding on top of the world and when you've had that no-hitter in a clutch situation and everything is amazing, you have to understand that, you know, the next game you might not throw as well. And then when you <laughs> when you feel like you're not doing well enough for your team and you feel like you just want to break down and cry but you have to like muster through it you know what i mean let me ask you
1: a question let me ask you a question do you think that can you tell when you're in a session with a kid with one of your players
0: how emotionally
1: yeah like because i think i think for me i i can see okay a kid comes in they're lighting it up for 30 minutes and then the last 30 minutes they just go somewhere else and they, they consistently do it and then i have kids that can light it up for the whole hour and then i have kids that they get better the last 30 minutes or the last 20 minutes
0: isn't that interesting
1: so i, ha- I have like three character i have three um mental avatars <laughs> yeah, th- three, th- three characterizations of the different types of athletes that are going to that are going to come in or out like people who I'm talking about nine-year-olds that could be locked in for freaking two hours I'm like yo who are you and then I have people who are like 16 17 I'm like dude hello they want to hold conversations with people or, that are walking in the door they want I'm like please shut up here let's go and it becomes no, like this. You, you get what I'm saying like they just can't, operate. Yeah. They can't do it and, and I know it, I get it it's you guys you're, you're a social person but you have to be able to lock in. I totally can picture the girl you're
0: talking about because I have those kids too, where every time the door opens, they have to look over and check. Whereas the kids (laughs) who are really, really in their zone
1: don't even notice that the door opens. They could care less who's coming in. Well, they don't,
0: I think, I mean, I'm sure you can speak to this as well, but I mean, Whenever I've had a game where I've just been, like, lights out or been really amazing, people ask me, like, oh, did you hear this on the sideline or did you hear? And I'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about, you know, like, because you just, you get so locked in and so in that zone that you just, you, you really have no idea what's going on around you. Like, there could be fireworks going off, you know, it could really be anything. And, so, and yeah, you have no idea. And I do have kids like that too. That they are just so incredibly
1: focused that it's like, wow. You know, it's funny. um, So what I try to do now is I try to pair up my kids when I'm working with small groups with people who I know. Like I'll I'll take the kid that's always super locked in, and I'll put that kid with the with the kid who's not super locked in, because I know there's no way she's gonna want to talk to you. She's too serious. Right. And it's gonna kill you that she won't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be like, please that? talk to me, please! Oh my god, answer my questions. Why are you talking in the middle of a swing? My thing is like, where you? How are you in a full fledged conversation in the middle of a swing? What is that? <laughs> so, and here, here's where it becomes interesting
0: and has to be sort of um, made unique for each player because some players the way that they focus is sort of by interacting with their teammates. So I feel like in some cases there's a fine line. Like, I don't know if you've read about sort of the different personality types in terms of performance, but you have the aggressive personality type, which I feel like a lot of good athletes are. And then you have the calm personality type, which I feel like also a lot of good athletes are. But then you also have what's called that distracted personality type, where they sort of like use their interaction with their teammates. Um, as sort of their their dialogue for their game, and they use that to kind of fuel their performance. And it's sometimes I think difficult to to discern where it is that um, you're you're getting some performance benefit out of it, and where you're maybe you know just messing around. <laughs>
1: basically. Yeah. So so I, so that I understand. I understand that there are certain people who need to crack a joke. They need to play a practical joke, and you know, in the dugout yeah. and stuff like it's that. It's part of like the camaraderie. It, it, it's part of like the it's part of that personality. But when you have a but there's levels to it, and there's time. There's a time for that. So like you have to be able to like so for example, if I'm warming up, I can't warm up with someone like that. <laughs> right. Right. Because I got to get ready for the game. I can't do it that way. Now you're becoming a distraction to me. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a problem with that because I need to, I want to win. I I, I want to be able to, to be at, at my best. So that, that individual needs to be kind of, I guess, monitored by the coach. Or, kind or of needs that. Because I have to be able to, I, I can't let her distract other people. So it's like, or him, or we're talking baseball players, him distract other people. That's your personality. You're totally ambiverted or not amber, or you're totally extroverted. I got you. But we got to curb it a little bit so because it becomes a distraction to to my to what my team's goals are as a team it's not like yeah. so how do we take that yeah yeah yeah. how do
0: we take that personal landscape right in terms of how you fuel your own success and how do we take that and transition it into a team landscape so that you have all these different personalities working most efficiently together so that you have the kid who seems kind of introverted but really what she's doing in the bus ride over there is she's like playing out every single scene in her mind you know what I mean and she's really like she's so into this with me you know what I mean or you have that person who's um you know, needs to get calm and needs to get focused beforehand. And then you have people who are the like cheerleader types and some people who are, you know, needing that sort of distracted. So how do you meld all these to sort of make that perfect team environment that they're complementing each other and that they're not working against each other?
1: So, so there's an, there's an exercise that you can do as a coach with your teammates, with your team and have the team with the team, teammates do is, uh, you could have them actually you have kind of like a a, a circle of the, you know, everybody sitting down in a circle or in a classroom setting and we're just having a conversation about what I like and what I don't like as an athlete. I like it when my I like it when my, my teammates give me a high five after I strike out or I don't like that when somebody gives me a high five. If I strike out Please don't come over me. And give me a high five. Right. <laughs> like, get the hell away from me for like. Give me like about a couple of minutes to get myself together. You know what I'm saying? Um. So that that's just me. But if you don't know that about your, because you you not you don't mean any harm by doing that as an Afro, right. as a teammate. Exactly. You're trying to pick your teammate up in a certain way, but maybe they don't need you to pick them up in that way. So it's kind of knowing your it's knowing your teammates, but you have to also communicate that to your teammates so that they know that that's how you that's that's what you need from them as a teammate or if i'm warming up don't joke with me and it's not personal it's business because i came here on a specific mission so like you know i I think it it, it can work but again you have i think the ultimate challenge for every coach at every level is you're managing multiple personalities yes Exactly. Try to, to try to achieve a, a common goal, and you want everybody to be um, comfortable. You want all my—I want all my teammates to be comfortable, um, and to go out and play their best game, and they have to be in their own individual zone so It's the same way you got—you got hitters that need a hundred swings in BP to be ready, and then you have kids who only need ten or fifteen, and I'm ready. Let's go. That's right. When, when I coached pro ball, there were people who came—the they came the early BP and took a thousand swings. And then they went they came to regular PP and took a thousand more. And there were people who never came to early BP and only took a few swings in pregame. It doesn't it doesn't mean one of them was right or one of them was wrong, but see at the pro level, they all know what they have to do. Monica Abbott's warm-up is like two hours long. Danielle Laurie's warm-up as she goes out to the outfield and she sits with her legs crossed with her with her walkman on and does like some Zen stuff. But like, see see how everybody's different and they know what they have to do? You can't go near her. You can't go near Danielle Laurie when she's warming up. She's by herself, She's whatever she does, I don't even know what she's doing, but it's something that she does, right? (laughs) That's what she has to do. Like she knows what she has to do and her teammates respect that. You get it? I do, and I think that's... Yeah. At at the youth level, I don't know how much of that actually goes on because a lot of it is... (laughs) For a lot of people, it's really social, a specific. Oh team. yeah, I, but, I, but I I don't
0: think there's yeah. anything wrong with the, the, seeing I, I, the I, social I, aspect. I don't think there's either. anything
1: wrong with it either. I, I I have no problem with it. I I just and I think that sometimes it, it, there's no balance. It becomes too social. That's exactly. Then you go exactly to the, right. the game and you want and then you, you give up five runs in the first inning. That's because you weren't focused. <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta learn how to balance fun with focus. And so, But sometimes it's not just a matter of focus, but it's also sort That's of coaching. that
0: inability to adjust. You know what I mean?
1: But- That's coaching though. I, I think it comes down to the coach. It comes down to the leader. It comes down to leadership. It comes down to the leadership of the coach and the coach's ability to, to observe and see, we're not focused, let's go, bring it in. Or the leadership within the team, the captains of the team. Because your captain can't just be your best player. <laughs> your captain right. has to be the actual leader or leaders of the of the team who can be able to sense in the infield or have that that leadership just know what to say when to say it and and when to be that you know that bitch that you got to be sometimes you need to you have, you have to have that you know not all great
0: players are extroverts or even want to be in a leadership position you know that's, that's the whole thing like you know sometimes oh, people are just in it for the love of the game and not
1: because they want to be leaders well, that's why leadership is a small minority of people on a team it's not like i don't I'm not going to have eight leaders on a 12 man roster I'm gonna like ho- hopefully i got 2 or 3 it's funny i was in um colorado with a really good travel team one year they flew me out to help him out, and kind of just be like in the dugout. I got, I got, I got noise in the background again. I, I don't know if we can. can oh,
0: great. <laughs> he's playing the guitar.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> All right, so anyway, because it's gonna, it's not, it's not gonna sound good on on the podcast though with with background noise. I could try to get work it out, but um anyway, um what was I saying again? Oh, flying out to Colorado. Oh yeah, so I, I was, so I went out to. Colorado as a you know hitting coach warm the kids up and, and, and I observe and this is by the way this is an elite team this is this was a team that won nationals two years in a row and in, in three different nationals well at least runner-up or champions I'm talking 11 12 13s they were all in the top 100 for you know all their respective uh, all the respective polls for players every single one of them and they were in a power pool and i think it was it might have been 14 U, but they were like 13. so they were like first year 14s in a power pool for 14s we're all the best teams in the country and while as athletes individual athletes these kids were all better than every team they played individually every single team if you match them up position by position, our catcher was better than their catcher. Our shortstop was better than their shortstop. Our third baseman was better than their third. You know what I'm saying? Our pitchers yes. were better than their pitchers. Yet we were losing games. So so, I, of course I'm pissed off but I had <laughs> to teach them part of what I, I felt like I, I wanted to do. I wanted to teach them how to win now at this new level. You dominated at the younger level but now at this level, it takes something different. There's a different formula for winning. And you guys have to be able to figure out how to put together wins and what winning looks like on this new level. And a lot of it had to do with a proper warm-up that takes you into the game at a certain level of focus. Because I felt like our warm-up was horrible. And But most kids have a... a, a with the, They have a certain warm-up style that they're used to because that's how they warmed up their whole life. That's true, yes. And for the most and for the most part, I feel like 9 out of 10 teams that I watch play have the worst warm-ups that I've ever seen in my entire life. And because of that, their team isn't even ready to play until the fourth inning. Maybe the third inning. But the, the fact is, you have to go into the first inning ready to play. And because the warm up was really, really mediocre, they're not even ready to play in the first inning. They're just not ready. And, and that comes down to a, a coach that's willing to literally babysit them in the warm up until they can do it on their own. And, and that's, another level, that's another level of leadership at the coaches' level, but it's another level of leadership with the players because somebody's got to be able to, to, to monitor the warm-up as a player. Like, let's pick it up. Let's go. Da, 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 da. Like, somebody has to be that person. Like, and like you said, everybody's not, it's not their personality to, to kind of tell their teammates what to do or, or help their teammates to be better. That's just not who I, how I am as a person. Right, exactly. But I feel like the best teams, the best teams have that, though. The championship-level teams have that type of leadership. You know, they say um, um, bad teams have no leadership, good teams have coaches that are the leadership, and great teams have leadership that comes from the players.
0: Yeah, I feel and like that's, that's been true of every team I've been
1: on, basically. That's true. It's but definitely when, when, true of, of yeah. every championship-level team has to have leadership that comes from the players. You have to have that. You have to, there's no, you're not going to do it. It can't can't be done. So I think, um, and anybody will tell you that. And that's why I think teaching people, teaching our kids that in a team environment is important. Cultivating it as an instructor is something else because, you know, for me, I try to have these, these, you know, I don't have a mentor relationship with every one of my kids. I don't have a coach mentor. I don't have like a mentor mentee relationship with every one of my kids, but there are certain ones that I do have that relationship with. And I can kind of ask some key questions and kind of, challenge them to be better leaders what would that conversation look like you know okay so let me ask you this and I'm gonna tell you this what do you think so do you think leaders are born or made oh I definitely think they're made Okay. so I i had an interesting conversation with a couple of different people about this this is just—I think it was like two maybe two falls ago um there was a guy who had wrote a paper he had a, he had a military background and he wrote an actual paper on leadership leadership in the military and in sports and how they how they coincide good dude um, um i actually read it i i, I felt like, i felt it was it was it was a great um a great read. Um, I think that parents' leadership is one hundred percent parental. And if you look at the best leaders, and then you look at their parents, you're going to see why they are who they are. And I have I have tons. Obviously, there may be one or two outliers out there, or maybe there may be some outliers. But for the most part, in my experience, what I've seen when I meet people, I'm like, man, your her leadership skills are, skills are her leadership skills are extraordinary. And then I meet their parents. If I haven't already met them, I'm like, okay, that's why. I remember you saying
0: once a long time ago that for your elite players, that if you could take all their parents and put them in the, in the same room. room, that they would the- almost have the same quality,
1: same values, same Absolutely. Yeah. Absol- yeah. They're all going to be the same. <laughs> to this day, I, I mean, I could, I could tell, I could look at a kid and be like, okay, I got to see the whole pack. i got to see the whole package. I, I think coaches know that. Coaches know that when they recruit, they're, you're recruiting a family. Well, way back when they used to be able
0: to do a family visit. I remember Danielle Henderson asking her about. Her recruiting um, experience and her um, her college coach had actually come to you know Coming see out. her family. Yeah, so, I mean it's kind of it's kind of interesting that that's the practice that's been done away with. But um, yeah, I mean you are inheriting the uh, 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 family. Other, support, other
1: sports do it. Other sports still do it. You know, softball. uses so I'll give you an example. Um, I, I, one of my I have two kids that I coached in my entire life that were the two best players I ever coached. Um, one, of, one of them's name is Maddie Kuhn. The other one's name is um, Allie Gardner. Right. So Maddie Kuhn, when she was recruited and getting recruited out of high school, UCLA and Stanford flew to New York to do an in-home visit. I'm talking about the co- The coaches. The coaches flew to New York to do it, from Stanford and UCLA, wow. to do an at-home visit. So how long ago was this? <laughs> Woo! I think this was like, 05.
0: Oh, so not like, not crazy long ago, not like in the um, 90s.
1: Four, I don't know, 04, 05? Um, yeah, and, and that they actually came to her lesson. They came to her hitting lesson also. I mean, back then, it was so different. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, it wasn't as, I mean, this, this was her senior year. It was the fall of her senior year. She still hadn't decided where she wanted to go yet. That, that doesn't even happen anymore. <laughs> oh, gosh. No. no. <laughs> so it's, that was like a whole other world. And then, I was, and then she went on to, she, she, she batted third and was the starting shortstop as a freshman in the Pac-10. When the Pac-10 was the Pac-10, you remember those days? <laughs> that yeah, was, was the quick. Pac-10. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that was that was great softball. But anyway, <laughs> but um, yeah. So, you know, in terms of leadership and, and 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 how we as coaches can cultivate our athletes better, I don't know that we I don't know that we can. We can help reinforce. I believe it's a group effort. I believe it's coach, parent. I believe it's coaches, parents teachers you know all playing a part in a role because when you're a teacher you you identify special kids in your class hey can you come to the classroom I want you to write this on the chalkboard for me I want you to hand out these handouts to to the kids you know I I mean they don't do handouts anymore they don't have chalkboards anymore but back in the days a teacher would identify that kid in the class and say I can trust this kid she's an extension of me I can give her little things to do in the classroom to also reinforce her leadership abilities too Have you read of,
0: see, this is where I think perception is extremely important, though, because I'm a big fan of, like, psych studies, and I was a psychology minor, so I really, like, I geek out about that stuff. And there was um, a study that they had done, um, now I can't remember when, but essentially telling these teachers that they had these particular gifted children in their class, right? and those children were actually special ed kids <laughs> mm-hmm. and then for the um, kids who they say were special ed were actually the gifted kids and they sort of flipped everything on its head but you know just because they reframed that everybody bought into that same thing like oh the special kids they're they're actually you know the gifted ones and the gifted ones are actually the special kids and they sort of made people conform to those roles because those were the roles that they were assigned that's what they were that's mm-hmm. what they were meant to believe so i think it, a lot of it also has to do with what we allow ourselves to believe about our players and what we allow them to think about themselves You know, and because the funny thing about that particular study is I I could be wrong about this, but I think that they actually did tests higher, like the special especially because then after all this time of being treated like you know they're the gifted intelligent groups they started testing higher you know and i can i it would be an incredibly small sample study but i can tell you that with my foster kids when they when they were assigned to us they were like oh you know these kids they're not bright and they're not you know this and that And and my husband and i are like okay you guys don't know what you're talking about because these kids are incredibly bright. And then of course the next IQ test they're given, like after they're with us for a couple months, their IQ is like completely in the normal range. It's not low anymore, like all this other sort of stuff. So it's pretty amazing, right? Um, So that's my experience with only two children, but you can imagine, you know, how that happens if you extrapolate it out to know I had, your entire I team.
1: Similar. I had something similar with a team that I coached years ago. I coached a team I had there were there were, there are were two teams that I coached these are baseball teams by the way um, there are two teams that I coached two baseball teams that were the best teams I've ever coached and both teams the dynamics of the team were very diverse so I had inner city kids single parent kids, kids who might have been like on a borderline of poverty or whatever right and then I had kids who were like middle-class, rich, you know, or whatever, or well-off, if you want to say, parents that were educated, I have kids that were, had, came from parents that weren't educated, but it, nevertheless, we were all on the same team. So, here we go. So, now, what I had to do for certain kids was different than what I had to do for the other kids. So, for example, I had curfews. So, you had to be, if it was game night on a, we had a game on Saturday, you had to be in your house at 9 o'clock p.m., and I was calling your home phone and you have to answer it. All right, that was one of my rules. But that was how I had to coach that team. And then I had, I had to go to the high school of some of my kids that needed more guidance academically. And just, I had to put in a sign-in book in the attendance office that if you're on my team, you need to sign this book at the beginning of the day. And for some people, I had to have them sign it three times a day. And you had to sign it at the end of the day. And I had, where you had to have a, I gave them like a sheet, where your teacher had to sign to make sure that all of your assignments were turned in for the entire week. If they were not, if that was not completed, you don't get to play that weekend. And I had kids that never got a B in their entire lives before that program was instituted. They never got to be. And some of them, when they were getting C's, it was just teachers pushing them through so they wouldn't have to deal with them another year. Like that, sure. that, that, that program literally turned people's lives around. And what I'm saying is, to your point, if you treat people differently and expect things th- from them that they've never had expected of them, you'd be surprised what people could do. That's exactly my, thought, and that's exactly where I feel like
0: coaching can change a person's life because, and teachers can change people's lives. And that's
1: the like other. The Every teacher, like everybody has a teacher that they'll never forget. That's exactly right. Or, or two or three teachers that they'll never forget. Every teacher is not that way. Every teacher is not going to go above and beyond. You know, it's, it's not required of a teacher to go above and beyond. That's not something that they, they get paid to do as a teacher you decide i'm gonna go i'm gonna go above and beyond because that's how passionate i am about what i do as a coach i know for a fact that you go above and beyond for what you're doing with your with your with your, with your clients and with your, with your students oh but we love everybody. it so first it doesn't, doesn't even
0: feel like going above and beyond for us everybody it feels do like like that, though. we want to do everybody, that
1: <laughs> everybody, everybody does not do that and i'm not saying that they're wrong for not doing that and I'm not saying that we're right for doing it. We're just being who we are. That's true. You know what I mean? Because you couldn't think, imagine
0: being anybody
1: else, right? I'm <laughs> just being myself. That's I'm right. not trying to go above and beyond. That's just what I do. I go above and beyond. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So it's not like I'm like making a conscious effort to do that. It's exactly who I am. And for the most part, most people are just being who they are. But I think as coaches and, and people who are influencing, influencing and shaping the molding in the lives of, of the future kids, of the kids we work with, we have to be able to, to expect and demand more from our athletes. We have to. And I think that, that's, that's a part of the, the leadership equation that I'm, that I'm getting at. So when you say leaders are made, absolutely made. It's, it's all about environment. That's so true. It's so about environment. So when you come in the door, you know, in in, in, a, in, in a Rob Cruz hitting session, you're gonna get challenged. Matter of fact, you're always gonna get challenged, and you're gonna leave out of that door sometimes feeling like you want to cry. And that's okay because you're gonna have plenty of games where you feel like that, plenty of tournaments where you feel like that. That's true. Yes. But I, but I'll see you next time. Let's go. Bring your A game. <laughs> I mean you you've never seen me I always tell my kids this. I'm like, have you ever seen me not have my A game? Have you ever seen have you ever came in here and I was different? Have you ever seen me with a B game? Have you ever seen me come in here and have a bad day? You don't even know what I went through that day. You don't know what I'm going through in my personal life. But you never, you you'll never see it. Oh man, that's so true. That just gives you so much to think about. You will never know. You will you will never hear me complain. You will never see. Oh, what's wrong, with Rob today? That's, you have never felt that way when you when you came in the door. or You left. Rob was different. Something was wrong with him today. Really? That's never happened in twenty two years. You can't find nobody that can say that. I totally believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying, this is true. But I got that from my mother, though. I I learned that from my mom. Like my environment growing up was like that. We didn't. We never made excuses. If I'm sitting on a bench for any team, my mother's looking at me like, Why are you on a bench? She's not calling my coach to find out why I'm on a bench. She's asking me why I'm on the bench. You need to get yourself on that field. And that's why it's parenting. Because some parents will create an excuse for their kids and get in the car. I don't know why they're not playing you. You need to be playing more. You're better than that person. You're better, you know. This is the dialogue that goes on in people's cars. Oh, I know. This is, it's crazy. You have no accountability. You're teaching your child to be have zero accountability. And if you being better than that person is not good enough, this is, I'm quoting my mother right now. If you being better is not good enough, then you need to be two times better. <laughs> I'm quoting my mother. Yeah. So, here it is. <laughs> but like I'm saying, like so, you know, I think we we, you know, on, on a leadership side, like I, I don't, you know, I love the team dynamic, although I don't love coaching teams. Um, oh, I think I like, it takes like, a special I, I, person
0: I, I, to love coaching. I like practice. <laughs> I like
1: practice. I'd rather I'd rather go. I'd rather do. I'd rather um, just do practice and then go home and then you guys let me know how the game went. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I have no, like, desire to, to be on the field coaching a team whatsoever. I mean, I'll do it, and I'm damn good at it, too. I just don't want to do it, though.
0: <laughs> that's when a lot of the drama comes out, I think, and that's not
1: something that either you or I are really interested in. I'll do a six-hour practice. No problem. Six hours. Let's go. Oh, you guys got a game? Uh... I'll try to make it i don't know Maybe i'll see if i can make it i don't know if i I'm get there but <laughs> <laughs> oh boy that's funny so um you got time to talk about some about um, technology and some things you got coming up with with tech or, or the things that i'm doing with tech or, or um is that I the think podcast? That's
0: maybe, yeah let's maybe do that for another time because i think that's kind of
1: a different let's do it tomorrow low. we'll do we we'll do a we'll part two tomorrow then is that all right we'll do part okay. two tomorrow
0: you got it. So I, I put this
1: one down as part one. Tomorrow we're gonna to go into technology, why it's important, why we do it, who we do it for, what do we what do we want to get out of it, and we can really drop some bombs on that because I got bombs sure you do too. <laughs> yeah, ready to go. All right. So awesome. I am going to you wanna receive a, you wanna stop recovery.